Welcome to The Ambitious Introvert, the leading growth and development podcast for the estimated 56% of us who recharge by going inwards. Our purpose is to help you manage your social battery and own your energy so you can reach your true potential in your business, your career, or your life. I'm your host, Emma-Louise Parks, a former air traffic controller, entrepreneur, and a success coach with over 15 years experience. I've supported hundreds of introverts like you who dream big and are ready to take action towards making those dreams a reality without compromising their energy in the process. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing tips, tricks, and hacks on how to build your resilience, master your mindset, and cultivate self-leadership. Skills that will help you reach your goals without trying to be someone that you're not. We'll also be sharing valuable lessons and insights from our own personal experiences, all focused on one thing, helping you own your energy to reach your potential. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise, and my first guest of 2024. Now, as I mapped out this intro on a piece of paper before I started reading it, I was laughing because trying to introduce this guest in a succinct way is going to be very difficult because she does so much. So today I am sitting down and talking with Kristen Weitzel, who I am so excited to see because we actually connected in person last year and I was lucky enough to work one-on-one with Kristen for my health optimization and lucky enough to hang out with her in Mykonos for five days. So it was really great to reconnect. Now, as I say, I've tried to shorten this down as much as possible. Kristen is a health and high performance coach, a certified fitness trainer, and she's also the founder of Sherpa Breath and Cold, where she trains instructors in cold therapy and breath work. She's a podcaster, she's a speaker, and she's one of the leading voices in the female biohacking stroke health optimization space. And this has a special place in my heart because, as you'll hear me talk about in the episode, when I had some health challenges around a decade ago, I found myself in that space. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that I still talk about a lot of biohacks and different tools that I use in order to own my energy as an introvert. Now, while Kristen is an extrovert, we talked about this at length in Mykonos. And what I particularly love is she has been in that world for well over a decade now. But she is so into the science, the experimentation, and most importantly, she is so into making sure that all of these different studies and, you know, the different news that comes out, is it relevant to women? And if not, what should women be doing? Because physiologically, women and men are very different. Now, if you are male and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to switch off, please don't, because that's not all we talk about. Kristen has such a broad knowledge of these subjects. You will still get value from this episode 1000%. But I particularly love that she has gone super niche and gone, okay, all of this is great. And this helps people to function better. It helps them on a physiological level. It helps their brain get more fired up. But is that actually true for women? And one of the questions I asked her is, is it true for introverts? Do introverts and extroverts need the same kind of biohacking techniques to make sure that their health is optimized? So 
All in all, this episode is a long one and we do cover a lot. But I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording because I, it was so great to catch up with Kristen again. It felt like chatting to an old friend. And if terms like biohacking can sound really bro and masculine or sound like you've got to go on some like crazy diet and be working out, you know, seven times a day and all this kind of stuff. Listen to Kristen to learn that it's absolutely nothing like that at all. There are so many smaller hacks. And in fact, as she talks about, you're probably doing some biohacks yourself without even realizing that's what they are. So in this episode, she's going to give us a high level overview of what biohacking is and why it's important, specifically why it's so important for us sensitive introverts and how it affects our nervous system and our down regulation. And then we also dive in to, if you'll excuse the unintentional pun, cold therapy and breath work and how for introverts particularly, Kristen sees those as two of the most powerful things um, that we can do to help our regulation. So without further ado, I will let you enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here and I hope you're having a great start to your 2024. I am excited for every episode that I record. But I'm very excited for this one. Firstly, I'm excited to see you because it's been a while. So thank you for taking the time to come and join me. I'm so happy to be here with you and uh, yeah, rekindle our connection. So Mykonos was May. We're recording this in December, releasing in January. That to me is just a reminder of how quickly time goes because it feels like it was like a few months ago. And I'm like, no, it's like two thirds of the year ago. Yeah. Yeah, everything's moving so quickly, especially when we get to December, right? It's just like place for re reflection. And I've been doing a lot of that in my van life lately as I'm living on the road. And how is van life? Before we get into what we're actually going to talk about, I love this concept of being in a van on my own. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's so many people that have said to me, you're living my dream. That it like in some moments like actually chokes me up because there are moments in the van that it is quite challenging. I think also I'm in the, I'm, I'm just under the 90 day mark. So there's a, the learning curve is really sharp in the most beautiful way. And I, I, I laugh because I say I bought a guitar when I first moved into the van, because I thought I need to stay more neuroplastic and let me take up a new musical instrument because what will be new? And the answer is like, I picked up the guitar twice in 90 days because everything has been new. And I scheduled myself really tightly. And so it's drive time and work and all the things and certainly not complaining about it. It's just a reminder that wherever you go, there you are. And also, you know, van life is a microcosm of real life. There are wild, adventurous mornings. I wake up and throw myself into a cold river. And then there are times like I was just telling you before we pressed record that my the water lines froze and I had a leak or I had a flat tire or things like that happen. And then it's it's just like, nav how do we navigate? This is the why the practices in the world of biohacking and specifically breath and cold are important because this is like, we use these tools to practice navigating. So when the shit hits the fan, we can settle in and say, okay, how do I, how do I attenuate myself to this so that I can actually just be at ease? And yeah, there's, there's, so many beautiful lessons, so many things I thought van life is going to be, and it is, and so many things I get that I need in the van. Oh, you always get the lesson that you need. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. I would consider you someone that is comfortable in spending time on your own. You're living in a span on your own, but you do identify more extroverted. 
I definitely identify more extroverted, uh, but I am, I have to be okay alone. I, I, we all have to, you know, in some way. And there's a big valuable lesson. And I think that there's a, a really beautiful piece in, in all the work that you're doing around introversion. And that this is like, you know, holistically, everybody is not going to be just an introvert or just an extrovert. You and I never even talked about this. So I'm also interested in your opinion too, but you know, it's like people are like, I'm the introverted extrovert or the extroverted introvert. Or I'm an ambivert. It's like all those things. And and we can, we of course can like predominantly I'm extroverted. And there are moments that I really need space. And the part of the lessons that I'm getting that one of the lessons, the key lessons I continue to get in the van that I really need is about slowing down. And that doesn't mean that introverts are always moving slowly, but the slowing down is really a check-in for me to say what's priority and what is going on internally, Kristen, right? This like overdoing that happens a lot in the world of extroverts, this on the go all the time, alpha energy that, you know, I can speak for myself and I just am generalizing for others because it happens with many of my clients who are extroverts or alpha energy based women. We need to be able to tap into some of the moments that are our internal nature and like some of the pieces that we may not be digging into enough just perhaps, right? And I think that especially meeting you and Mykonos and, and the working together, like they have a grand appreciation for the flip side of the coin, right? It's a really big appreciation for the self-reflection and self-study and quiet time that quite often when I'm working with introverts or when I'm feeling introverted comes up and shows up and it's, we can't have one without the other. It's a spectrum. It's always a spectrum. And I always say to clients, it will shift. There'll be periods of your life where you have more capacity energetically to be social or be on the go. And there'll be periods where the recharge takes longer or you need more of it or you just crave more of it and, and to lean into that. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I think it's this misconception for a lot of people as well about, oh, extroverted means you're sociable and introverted means like you've got social anxiety and you don't like people. Like, I love people. You can attest to this. We were in Mykonos for, what, five or six days with everyone else was an extrovert. I was the only introvert. But I love people. I'm sociable. There's, there's nothing with that. But I also know when I need to take myself off and be like, all right, I just need some space. Yeah. And, and also, you did a great, such a beautiful thing with boundaries there. I love the boundaries that you upheld to be able to serve yourself. It's like, shows the level of like, sort of awareness, knowledge and acuity you have in that space. And for for me, it's like, I think there's a lot of lessons for the the other end of the spectrum and people who lean on that extroverted side about boundaries, you know, about creating boundaries that are self-care, right? And this is why I do biohacking. This is why I do breath and cold. It's like continuing to navigate what boundaries I need, like you just said so beautifully, in what's in every season of your life and every different month or, you know, different week, different day, even we can feel really differently. Well, that leads us beautifully into your zone of genius, which is biohacking, which we were kind of kindred spirits in this because I've played around and dipped into this space on and off in various ways for the last various seasons for the last 11 or 12 years. So when I had the opportunity to have the optimization session with you, I was so excited. And still, you know, I'd say to people, even good friends of mine, I'll say something about biohacking and they're like, what does that mean? Like, what is that? And it's so, it's such a normal thing for me and it's just such a part of my life. I forget that not everyone has been exposed to it and they deserve to be. So could you give us the the lowdown, like the general high level overview, biohacking, dictionary definition as by Kristen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the thing that is really 
you know, Dave Asprey coined the term. And if you don't know who he is, he's an American guy. And if anyone who's listening, he's an American guy who was in the tech industry, who was like 300 plus overweight and was doing all the diets and all the fads and trying all the the things he possibly could, like working out and fitness and, and everything to try to lose weight. And he was sort of like figured out in the long run, he was doing it wrong. And so he began to use technology and different styles of eating and this bulletproof coffee thing and his bulletproof diet to be able to kind of shift his state. And that wasn't just about fat loss. It was about energy and it was about vibrancy and it was about feeling holy into yourself. And so his definition really is around biohacking, this term that quite often and women women come to me and they're like, this term feels off-putting. And I continue to use the term because I think it's not going anywhere and hacking our biology. It's not about cutting it up. It's, it is about becoming more time efficient. <laughs> and more effective in the way that we utilize ancient practices like breathwork, like cold exposure and modern technology, which might be like peptides or red light therapy and the whole gamut in between. And most importantly, using our intuition to understand what tools are right and what times or what seasons of our life, because certain tools are going to work in certain literal seasons of the year and other tools we're going to need to pull out when challenges arise, when we when the phone call comes that we didn't want to get, when we're feeling extra stressed, when we're the things that we weren't um, prepared to um, tackle show up, we're going to have to use different types of biohacks. If we're having sleepless nights, if you just had a baby, if you like, there's so many different ways that we can utilize the tool. So it's about intuition, ancient practices and technology, all doing this beautiful dance. And it isn't necessarily just like red light on your testicles and needles and crazy and things on your cranium. And, you know, it's not all that it can be quite approachable. And many people who are listening right now are probably biohacking in some way, right? Many of your listeners are may have a meditation practice or may already have a breathwork practice or doing some things in their life, taking a few supplements that are can, can be considered biohacking. So it's not that scary. It just sounds like, well, what's that new fandangled thing? <laughs> and I love the way you describe that, like saying some of your clients are like, this is really off-putting because I think it does have some kind of bro-y connotations. And certainly when I found it back in, I know, 2012 or something, like you say, it was Dave Asprey. I love Dave Asprey, but, you know, it's Dave Asprey. It's like a very kind of orange and blue brand and it it's very masculine. And a lot of the things are like, get your six pack and do CrossFit and, you know, keto and Bulletproof Coffee. And it can feel a little bit limiting if you are female and your hormones don't necessarily work in that same way and you're not looking to pack on a ton of muscle, for instance. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and like the onset, thank goodness we had some of these forefathers. I would say that like Stephen Gundry started sort of a little bit of the conversation about different styles of eating. And then Mark Sisson was a big hero of mine who did a lot around the primal movement. Dave Asprey came on the scene, which wove in some technology and then Ben Greenfield, which, which really wove in all of this fitness. And people were like, you know, growing this segment of business in everywhere from Finland across the United States. And Dave would say that his audience has always been quite heavily female. And I would say that that I'm sure is true. He knows his stats. I certainly don't. But I think that the female voices took a, a while, I'd say five to maybe even 10 years before they started to get highlighted within the biohacking vertical. And that's a really important distinction. I think some of it is because women felt off put. Some of it is because women were like curious, but the things weren't exactly working the same. And some of it was like trepidation, like, okay, 
that's a lot. I'm going to wait and see how that pans out because we do that really well as females, right? We assess what's the community doing. We assess where the highs and lows are. We're trying to cultivate how everybody's feeling and what the, you know, interpret the things and use our intuition as a guide as well to be like, that's cool. People getting frozen in cryo chambers, though. Let me give it a minute. You know, think about what what comes next. And so, yeah, I'd like to believe that after the first, you know, eight years or so, female voices started to get highlighted a bit more. The Bulletproof, the the, the Bulletproof Conference, which is now the Biohacking Upgrade Conference, is really has been wonderful with me. I've spoken there three times on breath and cold and we, women's biohacking, and I really feel stoked that that these people rose the playing field in the health and wellness landscape and brought a highlight to it. And now more and more women need to continue to come into the fold and and share their voices. I love that. And as you say, when I found it, I feel like the women were in the food space. There were a lot of people in like the paleo primal space, like Melissa in Hall 30 and people that were talking more about the nutrition aspect, but I didn't see people in the fitness or the, or the tech side of it. And then when I found you, I was like, oh, this is beautiful. You're bringing everything together. Yeah. And I was fortunate. I was like with a partner at the time that all these things started to weave into the world that was like highly curious and taking a couple of years off of, he had had left a company and had a a sale of a company and he was able to take a couple of years off before he went into the next sort of facet of his career. And in those couple of years, all of these things were trickling in, the Bulletproof executive and all, all the little biohacking pieces where people, you know, I'd have my Bulletproof coffee and go to work, or I'd be eating paleo and everyone at my office was like, you're going to die of a heart attack. And and I was the <laughs> weird one. This is like another lesson. We have to yeah. be okay with being a little bit weird and a little bit out of the normal framework, perhaps not in the middle of the spectrum. And that's totally great because many times people, other people are, are potentially catching up to us or where are the innovators or the iterators that are changing what can happen in the landscape of, of anything. If you're, if you're playing in the space of like, you know, keep it weird. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I was lucky enough to have this partner who was like a do, at home doing all this research during the day. And I'd come home from work and we just devour what he had looked up and he'd say, oh my goodness, I found this new book. And then I, here's a summary. He was like my cliff notes of helping me get some of that insight. And I'm so thankful to, to be able to have had him. We're still very close to this day. It's like, this is why surrounding ourselves with people and partners that are a little bit like-minded doesn't mean we can't have discourse and we should definitely get, you know, altering opinions and start to learn about disconfirming information and have a growth mindset. But to have people in your life that have similar eating values and similar health values can really just be, it can bolster everything that you do because we got to nerd out together so much around these these spaces. I definitely had that support. The reason I found paleo was because I had to cut out dairy because I had a severe dairy intolerance. And then they said, we recommend that you cut out gluten as well for six months to help heal the gut. So I went on this whole like, gut healing protocol and like bone broth and all of these things. And of course, I was Googling like dairy and gluten-free recipes and this paleo word kept coming up. So, you know, I went down this whole rabbit hole and the person that I was in a relationship with at the time, luckily was also very open-minded and was very into fitness and weightlifting. So when he saw like these guys going, oh, I'm just having like tons of protein and fat and I'm in the best shape of my life, he was super open to it. And that that did make it so much easier for me to adopt this. So rather than someone going like, isn't that a weird meal? They were like, oh, have you got all of your macros? And you know, all of the river. <laughs> when you have it on the home front, it's like, it's just, yeah, it's perfect. It's that's one thing that I like miss a little bit about the van life is like having that partner in crime 
maybe I will find him out on the road somewhere. But having that partner in crime, that's like, okay, cool, grounded in this, you know, and just really, I keep up all of the principles because this is what I do for a living as well. And I always want to walk my talk. And also, it's nice to like lean over and high five someone and be like, amazing, I made a paleo quiche with crust that we can eat, you know. <laughs> I remember I met up with a paleo blogger in Chicago because we had connected online. And we met up when I was visiting Chicago years ago. And, you know, we just it was just so nice to talk about the things and people know what you're talking about. And she said, what do you carry your charcoal in? And I went, oh, wait. And I went into my purse and got out this little thing. And she was like, oh, look, I've got my charcoal in this rest of the people would be like, you're what now? Sorry, you're, you're carrying charcoal. But it was just like, show me your charcoal container. And I was like, these are my people. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, so fun. So, so fun. As introverts, if we look at it from an energetic piece, we wake up in the morning with all of our energy for the day and we get very depleted by social interactions, by busyness, stimulation, all of these things. You extroverts, you wake up and you get kind of energized throughout the day as you're like dealing with these people. And this is this is the biggest thing where I think biohacking is, obviously it's important for everyone, but particularly for introverts. If you are ambitious and you're doing big things in the world, whether it's in your career, in business, with your family, and you have this set amount of energy each day, if we can optimize that and use it like as efficiently as possible to its absolute best use, that is good for everyone. That is why I think biohacking, like this is why I wanted to bring it to the podcast. What are your thoughts on that? On, on, I think from like a, the energy standpoint, you know, there's things that we can I think introverts starting in the morning with the bucket of energy that they're given for the day is an important distinction. And I think just like we can biohack a male physiology differently than a female physiology, there are different and different parts of our reproductive year cycle. Like when we're in our monthly cycle differently, we can do different biohacks and we're going to feel different ways. I think that this introversion, extroversion thing is a big distinction because when we get up in the morning, there are tools that we can add to it. Maybe it's cold showers. Maybe it's red light therapy. Maybe it's as simple as breath work and really ground ourselves in a way that we are either creating some energetic protection or bolstering what I would say at a cellular level that there is a capacity to slightly bolster the energy that you are showing up with when you first get out of bed. And that wanting to take into consideration as well that like, I love to get in front of a red light panel that's got pulsation and all the stuff, but there are moments that it's like, cool, is it just a few minutes today? Am I doing a targeted red light thing instead of doing a whole panel? Because there are times that I get in front of red light and I'm like, this is overstim. So understanding that of yourself and then being able to utilize biohacks in a way that are going to, you know, top off your cup of energy for the day. So then also give you some grounding in the beginning and literally could be grounding. Like I'm getting outside and putting my bare feet into the the dirt, the soil, the grass, the sand, the snow, even and saying, okay, how can I get grounded so that I'm like not going to deplete as quickly? Right. So it's like about lessening the output of the energy so that you can sort of titrate it throughout the course of the day and make sure that you're doing things like even when it comes to night, I think you you'd you'd agree. We talked a bit about this in Mykonos. It's like having blue blockers or having a few practices where you're turning the lights low and you're making sure that what you have left in your bucket for the day is going to be used in the most valuable way. I always say that my morning routine starts the night before because <laughs> if I am in bright light, if for some reason I'm up late or I'm in bright light, or if I watch something on TV that's 
I'm going to say stimulating, but you can insert scary also because I tend to then have nightmares about the thing, even if it didn't scare me that much. So I'm thinking like a few hours before bed already, like if I'm not prioritizing the wind down here, then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel pretty rubbish. And as someone that runs my own business, I want to wake up and feel good in the morning to have energy to to give the output to my business. So I think something else you said there that's so, so true, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, we have to look at it differently because as an introvert, we're not going to get up and do like the whole 5am club of like a ton of cardio and, you know, go and journal and then drink your black coffee and then do, you know, jumping jacks and whatever, because that's probably going to exhaust us. I find personally a slow morning is the best way to set myself up for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be so beautiful. And like, I think that everybody should make make time to have some of those shifts in their morning routine. It's like anything, right? It's like, if I put myself in an ice bath every single day, then at some point I'm sort of like, point of diminishing returns, or I'm not giving my body a break from the thing. I say this about supplements. When I travel on a specific kind of a trip, I may scale down my supplements or take them out altogether or just bring this one little packet that I like because I want to let my body do some of the work and navigate around the space. It is the flexibility that, you know, we talk, you can talk about metabolic flexibility. You can talk about arousal flexibility. There's so many different things, but it's the flexibility with which we navigate things that we can that gives us the propensity or the possibility of having this expanded capacity you know it's like how can we be able to toggle from one side to the next of our energy systems of our arousal systems of our food and dietary concerns and the things that we put in and then sometimes we see this thing where people are just like i'm whether it's biohacking or whatever it is we're like stacking too many things together to try to I don't want to say band-aid, but we're stacking too many things together to try to handle what's going to come up in our lives. And then it's almost like the doing of the things that are protective measures is actually exhausting us, (laughs) do you know? So I I think it's really an important point. It can feel like a whole job if you're like, right, I've got to take 30 supplements every day and I've got to do a cold plunge and I've got to sit in front of a red light and I need to meditate for an hour and I need to do that. Like My nervous system just feels kind of shook thinking about doing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen there's memes out there in the world that I just love where somebody's making fun of sort of the health optimizer extrovert or something. And they're just doing like, I get up at 3 a.m. and I like do the gym, <laughs> like list all of the things that they're doing, you know, until it's like it's noon and I've done these 42 things while other people are just, you know, w- woken up, gotten the kids to school and having lunch. And it's just like one is actually not better than the other. It's just a different <laughs> life. Yeah, And I I love what you said about the intuition piece. And I think that is important because it can be so easy when we see quote unquote experts online saying, oh, you have to do something this way, whether it's a 5am morning routine, you know, your personal development or biohacking and just blindly following it without questioning, does this feel good? Or, you know, what if I stopped and, and felt into it? Like you say, if you just get in the ice bath every day, are you just doing it because you do it every day versus let me tune into my body and see if this is going to be good for me? Yeah. And I like, there's no slide on there. I definitely in the beginning and like six years ago, I did like a 30, a 30 day challenge that ended up being 34 days because by the end people were like, I'm coming over, let's ice plunge. Can you just do one more day? So I did like four or four or so extra days, but it it's fun to do a challenge. It's fun to push your limitations and your edges and all of that. It can be exciting and exhilarating. It can also 
give you some big realization about there were moments that there were one or two days specifically where I either overdid the ice plunge on the, the 34 days straight, or I just remember distinctly one day that like really the only thing that got me in the cold that day was the fact that I had committed and I was sharing and posting online. I was like saying, okay, I've committed to this and I'm sharing with people. And the lesson in that is also that I didn't really want to do it. But if I hadn't done it for whatever reason, whether it was Instagram or my guilt or my shame or whatever, not to say that that's healthy, but that got me in there. If I hadn't done that one day at like day 28 or something, I would have felt like, oh, I almost got there. Right. So there's these like nuggets of things we think we can manifest that that just show up and the universe is actually working to help us you know, do the, do the challenge. And that being said, again, I don't want to slight people who are like, there are plenty of people out there right now, predominantly men, but I see women do this as well, where, that are like day 360 of almost my full year of ice plunging every day. And look, it's a, it's okay to have a goal like that and to want to achieve it for a target and all of that. And I also think we can feel into that in a way that, especially as if we have hormonal dysfunction, if we have other things going on, that maybe that's not optimal for us, right? There's a lot of beautiful people doing this to motivate other people, to share stories, to say, I can, you can do hard things. Look, I'm doing this every day to share my message for mental health. That's really important. I, I get it. And also, I don't think that that's always for everyone in every season of their life, you know? And that's, that's, that should be the mantra for everything that we do. It's like having discernment. I am in a season of, well, I've removed my aura ring for the first time in almost five ah. years. Ah. We're holding our hands up. This is not a video podcast, but we're both holding our, our hey. bare naked hands up. I, yeah, I uh, had it. I how long have you? I took mine off I, I just about 30 days ago. Did you take yours off? How long now? Probably about three weeks ago. We must yeah. have been in tune. I must have been in tune have for sure. I for sure. I, I did it. I did it for a number of reasons, but um, I'm curious to hear what yours are. But for me, I've just been playing with a little bit of this tinnitus. I have some gnarly tinnitus. And so navigating EMF to see... What changes are happening in the body if I actually take something off? And again, I had the ring on for five years. It was like, uh, I still do this. I still do the thing. Like I could like every so often catch myself spinning the ring that isn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, we're clearly so in tune on this. I I took it off because, yeah, I had it on since 2019. I got it specifically when I was transitioning out of shift work because I'd done shifts for 23 years. My body didn't even know what a good night's sleep was. so. I got it as I transitioned out and within about six months, my sleep stabilized and I was able to see that and it it generally, you know, is pretty good. And then I liked it for the steps, you know, clocking my steps each day and different things like that. I love the cycle sinking on it. I think that was, that was a great thing. But also I found myself waking up in the morning going, let me check my sleep Mm -hmm. or, oh, have I moved enough today? Let me check the app and it's back to this intuition thing i was like no i want to wake up and go hmm how do i feel do i feel like i had a good sleep and not have it tell me and the same with steps like not go oh well you know i hit my goal of steps so it's okay what does my body feel like when it hasn't moved enough yeah for sure and there there will be in another week or so i'll probably put it put the ring back on because there are some things that I want to track. One of them being sleep. And for me in the van, there are days that I'm driving eight to 10 hours a day. It's really mm. no- And so those are days when it's just like, I'm, I literally, yes, I can, I can feel what I need in a mobility standpoint. And also there's a gamification that's like, 
okay, great. I drove eight hours today. I need to make sure that I'm figuring out how to get at least 8,000 steps in, which is really hard to do when you're driving that much. Um, I'm I'm at the truck stop circling the parking lot while my gas is pumping. I'm like, you know, I'm doing everything I can back and forth. And but so there are a couple of things. And then I also just had a QEEG or I had it last year. And I've been like doing some different stuff on my brainwave states and um, have sticky delta and all these things that came out on it. So just for me, it's like getting a little bit more back into the general the general sleep. You know, it's not always everything's not going to be perfectly accurate. I always say with trackers, if people have a Garmin or an Aura ring or whatever it is, track apples against apples so that you're always using their systems and their algorithm to see whether you're going up or down and use it as a general guide. But yeah, the first, I mean, the first six months I wore the Aura ring, I'm sure you were a little bit like this. I like got up religiously and was like, oh my God, let me look at it. How do I feel today? And then I had a day where I realized after like six months, I was like, you got to stop letting the Aura ring tell you how you feel. Yeah. And then I, I, I'll go days now. I'll wear it. I'll charge it. I'll wear it. I'll charge it. But I'll go days, two, three days before I like check. Well, I don't check every day. And that just like becomes something over time. And then it can look at, I can go all the way back and look at the data. That's what's so beautiful. So yeah. I think trackers are great. I think that the, you have to find the right one for you. My friend, Molly Eastman, who, who the sleep expert, she talks a lot about Whoop lately and she's really liking the, the innovations. I didn't like Whoop in the beginning. Truth is, that's my truth. But I think that they've done some iterations. I just, I have trouble. I can't, I can't, I don't sleep as well when I wear something on my wrist. Same. That's exactly why I got like the aura ring. Really quick to wear you and track it, which doesn't, which just sort of doesn't make sense. And so, but there's things like the aura ring, that's easy. And then I always wear, this is like, if I was going to suggest, I know you're not asking this, but no affiliation, except that I love it. I think one of the tools that I really love for sleep and down regulation, when you're feeling irritated, and I think in a way that also like when high stim is happening in the world of introversion, is this tool called the Apollo, which you probably oh, know. I love it. Made. I love it's it. fast. I just, I wear it on my ankle almost every night, setting myself up for sleep and then into bed. And then they have, pro, you can program it now. So it will go back off. Like I have a little bit of a sleep wake thing sometime around four o'clock in the morning. And so I'll set it to go back off just slightly before that with like a calming sleep pulsation. And then that, then it's like settles me back in. And it's just been a really good tool. I, you know, I, I have yet to have, supposed to have David Rabin, the founder on the podcast, and I haven't yet. And I keep saying, is this placebo? Like, how do you know the patterns of my vagal, vagal tone? You know, which is like, there's science behind it, of course. And otherwise I wouldn't really be using it. But there's also something really just about vibration, compression and pressure for me, like physical pressure. I don't mean stress, but I mean like my weighted blanket and a light yeah. vibration, vagal tone humming. For many people, of course, that can trigger vagal tone, which means it can start to calm your system. But for me, it just feels 5X. It feels like I really can settle myself in when things are super upregulated by using subtle devices and weights and things like that. And so I'm a super fan of the Apollo. I'm going to link it in the show notes. I'm going to give the disclaimer that people may think that you are being trapped after being let out of prison. Oh because, my goodness, that's so funny. People always <laughs> Somebody's mom, it, mom was like, I went over their house and could like cut little like ankle pants or something and I had mine on. And someone's mom, I was like speaking Spanish or something and, and speaking Spanish to the daughter. And I understood a little and I was like, what did your mom just say? Because I didn't know all the, every term. <laughs> like she was laughing and laughing. And she said, I, she didn't even, my friend didn't even know what it was at the time. And she just said, well, it's a fitness thing, mom. Of course, it's a fitness thing. It's Kristen. And then the mom was like, oh, okay. But the mom was like, who is this girl coming over here? Is she just out of prison? You know, <laughs> but she asked her. So it looks like a, it looks like 
a probation bracelet. <laughs> but it's way more wrist. calming. <laughs> yeah, way more calming than probation, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, no, I will definitely link the Apollo in the show notes because I loved using that when I saw you. Um, so that's very nicely into downregulation, which is a beautiful term and something that I think many ambitious introverts definitely need to lean into. I know, you know, we could, we've said this before we hit record, we could talk all day literally about the different ways and methods that we can, that we can hack this. But I know that for you, breath work and cold therapy are the two that have your heart. Yeah, they do. I mean, they really do. There's so many tools I love and I love working specifically. I work with a lot of females, but just breath and cold across the landscape of every human being. Those two modalities and 15 plus years of biohacking and trying all the things and having plenty of fails, mind you, I've had plenty of fails where I've tried the new thing or tried the thing that was made for more male bodies or whatever. And it's just, you know, thankfully I haven't hurt myself, but I've definitely messed up my hormones at some points. And amazing to me is there are no two modalities I've ever put together in all of my biohacks and all the, the thousands of crazy things that I've done, both healthy and then, you know, ludicrous there are no two modalities that I've ever put together, like breath and cold, that are as effective and efficient when it comes to transformation. And mostly by that, I mean, yes, physical transformation, yes, chemical, like neurochemical transformation, but really for people to rediscover, and that's an important term, but rediscover the capacity that they were born with, the ability to do challenging things, the beauty and the light that exists in their bodies, and the just like their heart and their soul, right? Whatever plane you believe that that stuff's on, but somebody's heart and soul just transforming to be like, oh, I'm going to kiss the girl, marry the man and leave the job. Thing is, that is the the big dream. And I want people, my reason for being in this world is, is to get people to live into their fullest capacity. And if if when I found these tools, I was like, whoa, breath and cold, it's the gateway. It's the gateway for us to understand more about ourselves, in my opinion. Breath, I know people are thinking, oh, Wim Hof, especially because we're talking about cold as well. And there's this, you know, very kind of reductionist view of Wim Hof doing, you know, big deep breaths and go, and it's all very kind of masculine. And I loved our conversation in Mykonos because you were like, oh, did you know that there's like an introvert breath? <laughs> it's like, okay, we need, to, we need to get you on the podcast about this. So here's what's so cool. It's just like from for everyone who's listening, I have a high, a highly uh, jealous is the wrong word, but I have like so much desire to 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 ignite my my inside introvert because there are things that I distinctly see across the landscape of introverted personalities or you know personas versus extroverted, where you actually actually have more innate skill because you've built it up over a lifetime of behaviors on breathing differently. And that's what I love. And I think you're absolutely right. Two people, the first two things people say to me when I say, am I breath? They're like, I'm already breathing all the time. I'm okay at it. I'm already good at it. <laughs> right. And then the other thing is Wim Hof. And, and thankfully that Wim Hof exists on our, this planet because he brought so much awareness around breath and cold and really to the householders of the world to say, hmm, let me get curious about that. And sure, it comes in a, a you know, I don't know how tall he is, a six foot dutchy kind of physique that's kind of you know, uh, intense and 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 joyful and and all the things that he shares and and that's beautiful. And there, I interviewed Patrick McEwen, who's the uh, gentleman who wrote Oxygen Advantage and uh, certified me as an Oxygen Advantage instructor and 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 all the things. And he 
really is he's really introverted himself and he's had to have some PR training. And over the, the years of knowing him, I've watched him evolve into someone who's much more extroverted. But Patrick talks about Patrick McEwen talks about this introverted style of breath work being like nasal breathing, right? A calm, easeful breath where we're breathing down into our bellies and we're grounded and we're, we're sort of in stillness and quiet. Now, if it doesn't mean I can't nasal breathe at the gym, of course I can do all those things. But Patrick really says, you know, the highlights, we just spoke about whim, the highlighted breath work styles are the extroverted ones because they're like a lot more doing energy and masculine and and, and and the doing nature of them. And they're like, and they're like big and they're loud and they're moving and they're, and so they get, they get eyeballs, they get, you know, they excite people, but that the introverted breathing style, which he would say is more like nasal breathing, that both introverted people are very good at that typically. And that that style is the thing that helps us stay healthy, right? It's this really interesting parallel to life because like we have to have some space for quietude, for stillness. There's so many of us that are scared to be alone. There's so many of us that are afraid or don't feel, feel like it's daunting to be in stillness, right? Meditation, oh my goodness. And so that is really that parallel to life is like, we need to have these things. We need to have quiet and stillness and the ability to understand ourselves and set boundaries in order for the rest of our life, however shiny we want it to be, to exist. And so for me, that, that, that's like, that's the, the parallel that's there. And then the second thing about introverted breathing styles and what I see with introverts is when I do a protocol that is like secret breathing. So <laughs> I love breathing. secret breathing. <laughs> secret breathing. Secret breathing. So secret breathing is a protocol that I use a lot with clients and in some classes and in my Sherpa breath and cold training. That is a riff on Patrick McEwen's breathe light to breathe right. Something you can Google. But it's really about understanding and building a bit of tolerance to the CO2 that's rising in our body. And it's really about understanding where our mind goes when we feel like we're settling into calm. And for me, the extroverts are the ones that when they're doing secret breathing are like, they very quickly go to their heads, right? They're like, you're not holding your breath. You're just reducing the number of breaths you have for the course of a minute. So let's say it's five breaths a minute, for example. And introverts will just be in bliss. Like they'll be lying down. They'll be like, it's still, it's quiet in the space, whether they're with someone or not. They're slowing their breathing. They're calming their state. There's like not a lot of bells and whistles going off, right? And 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 even internally, I can see that there's like the 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 place and space that many introverts go to is a bit more joyful and at ease there. And are, there's no right and wrong, good or bad, but they're just like, oh, this feels delicious. And extroverts quite often will go to the space where they're like, oh, I went into my panic brain, even though I know there's air right here and I can breathe more. I'm working on breathing a little less, and I'm like nervous, nervous, nervous. And to me, that speaks about our, ta- our our ability, like we talked about earlier, to have flexibility with, can we be in an upregulated state? Can we be in a downregulated state? And it's so cool to be able to see, I would imagine the same thing that I see often exists across the landscape of introverts, which is introverts just typically seem to be better at dry land breath holding. It's like, I'll, I'll have a, a, a cold and breath program. I had, was doing an, a deuce in Los Angeles, this gym there. And one guy had like a five minute dry land breath hold, like no big deal. Wasn't a breath worker, hadn't trained a lot, but he was just like the most, he was relatively introverted and parasympathetic dominant. When you put those two things together, it's like, I was like, this guy's the most amazing dry land breath hold. I just want to like lie down next to you and learn from you. So it's so cool to me that there's, there's some, 
beautiful in the breathwork arena. There's some like built in from the lifetime of being a bit more introverted, some built in wins that really all of you have. And I can attest to bliss because that's how I felt when we did it, because we did you know some breath work with you and that was one of the segments. And I did. It felt like bliss. I felt like I could just lie here forever. This is this is wonderful because I've got no issue with going inwards. It was quiet. It was still all of the things. And I was like, oh, yeah, like give, give me this every day. Yeah. And then when we got to like what I call grade five, which is like more of an upregulated gear and we were making sounds and we were no, and it was, you were like, Hey, I, this was great, but this is a bit big for me. I'm going to take some space, which is like, Oh, the most, that is like chef's kiss. Wah. Because it's like, we have to use our voices to create the boundaries we need and speak up for ourselves when things like that arise. Far too often are we in spaces where maybe something's like, oh, this is very off-putting and we're not excusing ourselves because of the fear of what people will think. And, and, and there are some social norms, okay? There are. And also, it's okay. It's okay to use your voice. Like if I have one message with a lot of the women that I work with, and of course I work with men and women, but people in general, we need to use our voices with kindness to say, here's what I need is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is some space to go outside or I need a break from this. And the rest of the world needs to be able to say, I'm not going to take that personally. I'm so want to honor the person who just used their voice to ask for what they need. And that comes down to the self-awareness piece because I had filled out on my breathwork form and I'd said, oh, I've done breathwork before and the music was really loud and I got really overstimulated. So then when I excused myself and left, you were like, oh yeah, okay. Like made the connection. We're in a louder piece. And it's, everything is not for everyone. Like you said, there are different seasons, totally. there are different ways, but that this is where I always encourage clients to be like, have your awareness and then just share that with people even ahead of time and be like, Hey, this is, these are the conditions that I need for this, or, you know, I'm not comfortable in, in this. And then if you do have to excuse yourself, people go, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. And like more than fine. It's like, fuck yeah. You know, <laughs> I like that more than fine. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's more than fine. It's so, it's just so there's a level of vulnerability that exists. I know that you know that to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to step away in life for anyone. There's a level of vulnerability. And so I feel like, Oh, she uses her voice. She's, I'm, uh, she's honoring me by being vulnerable enough to say, this is who I am. And I'm standing here on the other side being like, I love you. I love you. Like, this is awesome. Great. High five. I'll see you after. I, the point of doing all this breath work in many ways is to create some shifts in the body, to create good feeling, to also sometimes release some, let's say, micro traumas or things that have come up. And it's like, you know where your limits are and that and people know where their limits are in some in some in some spaces. So it's like, yeah, it's so exciting when people are like, OK, cool. Or I, you know, I ask for success points when I go around the room for Sherpa Breath and Cold instructor trainings because I've trained 160 instructors now. It's hard to believe. And and they'll say, this is what success means to me. And it's like somebody came back to me one weekend and said, I we covered a lot in the arena of what I wanted, but I didn't get the one exact success point. And I was like, great, let's get on a Zoom call. Let's talk it out. Let's let let me give you that. Let me because I want to fulfill that journey, which is what does this make this weekend successful for you? And then People use their voices. And at the end, she I think she was surprised. She was like, kudos. I, it's so nice that you were like excited. About, you know, me, I was so nervous to tell you, you I felt like you missed a, a little piece of what I wanted to get. And I was like, oh, this is this is what you 
pay me for. And this is also my passion. So how do we share, you know? So yeah. Uh, it's such a great way of reframing it. And and I love it. People feel like they take people feel like they're negatively taking up space by asking for what they want or, you know, speaking their truth. And you're like, no, take up all of the space, please. Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to get to know you if you don't take up the space to tell me or leave the space or whatever, you know, whatever it is, right? How am I going to get to know how we can build upon this, this relationship? Uh, a friend of mine just posted a post that was like, he was interviewing some, a stranger basically who said, what is it like a true friendship? And it just, it relates to this conversation in the sense that the woman gave this beautiful answer. It was a college student on a campus. And she just said, it means you're going to give people the space and grace to love them and befriend them continually as they, as they evolve into the many different iterations of who they are. And I was like, oh, this woman is before her time. She is an old soul because this is the thing, especially when it, we're talking about in the world of introversion, you're going to iterate in different boundaries and different things. And it's not just females that get to change their mind. Everyone gets to change their mind. So if we all get a little bit more nimble and then what a great segue into talking about the way that we breathe and the way they get into cold, if we all stretch a little bit in and out of comfort zones, then we can be better to each other on the planet, you know, and and really understanding, I think. It, I, I've worked with many, many people. I've like hired and, and, and trained thousands of people, not just instructors, but in my past career in corporate America. And there's so many different personalities and really there's no one perfect management style, of course. And there's so many different types of people that we, everyone is almost like a custom person who shows up for us. And so the best way that we can have relationships in, in, in the introverted, extroverted world and just navigating differences is by I think being as flexible and nimble as possible. And that is a beautiful way to segue into talking about cold because I did not feel flexible or nimble when you assist, <laughs> he assisted me into climbing into the ice bath in Mykonos, which other than the odd cold shower and a few blasts of cryotherapy was actually my first full-on cold experience. Well, it's cold. Right? We got all the ice in Mykonos out of all of the bars and restaurants to make that happen for sure. Um, but it was so, isn't it? It's fun when you can do it in community and with like a coach and be like, okay, it's safe. It's like too I, fun. You're done. <laughs> I would not have done it. I was saying this to you before we hit record because I'm actually doing a, a cold protocol at the moment. And I would not have got into that ice on my own. I would not have. It was what, four degrees? Yeah, yeah, it was just sub 40, maybe 38 or so, which is about four degrees yours. Yeah. Yeah. That there is no, there is no way. And I would have, you know, been the introvert and going inwards and being a female and questioning all of the things, like you said, being like, is this safe? What if I get in and I can't breathe? What if I panic? How am I going to get out? Blah, blah, blah. But because you were there and you're the expert, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And we had music, which always helps. Music always helps. Knowing how to like manage the breath within the cold always helps. And then really like, yeah, you crushed it. You're like, okay, great. I can do this. And then look at you. You're like home. You're doing a hot and cold contrast thing now. Like so beautiful. And I, I love, I love it, even though it's hard. We can, we can love hard things. I think that's what I've learned from it. <laughs> For sure. And it's like, it's a test of our own boundaries and a test of our ability. And what I really love about getting in cold you know, outside of this whole thing about really watching, watching people expand to their greatest capacity, what I really love personally about cold is it is the best barometer for me to get in and see really mentally, emotionally, physically how I'm feeling. Like the, a lot of my truths show up because I've been doing this so long that when I get into cold, I can just, 
I'm relaxed. I mean, of course, my sympathetic sympathetic nervous system is charged and I'm upregulated and all the things, but I can like settle in and surrender, right? Surrender is this key piece. It's like the the key thing we talk about is the opener in the Sherpa breath and cold training. And in that surrender in those moments, those minutes that I'm in the cold, I can really feel into where I'm at. I can feel into places I might have be like lying to myself about things in life. If I'm a little heartbroken, if I'm the stress level is very easy for me to see. I got into colds probably like 10 or 11 days ago. I was in um, a cold river and I just said to myself out loud in the first 60 seconds, oh, you're being so hard on yourself. Like I wasn't planning that. Do you know what I mean? I just spoke it because the cold has a way of reminding you because you can't be anywhere else but present, reminding you where you're at. And I, I just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do life without it now that I found it. And that's one of the things you said to us in Mykonos. You said, you don't do cold to get good at doing cold. You get cold to get good at doing life, which yeah. I love. And I feel like you should have on merchandise or something. But how does it affect us in the long term? So yeah, okay, we get in the cold. The sympathetic nervous system goes wild. It feels uncomfortable. It forces us to like face our truths. But that's just a few minutes. But what difference does it make in the long term? Yeah, so many benefits. I mean, and, and just to briefly speak on like, people can start where they're at. I have a, a woman who just came to me who wants to be an instructor. She's a coach of many other modalities in the world of fitness and wellness. She's like, I really want to layer these in. She has a medical condition, so she can't do full body immersion. It's a, it's a relatively serious circulatory thing. So very like doctor's orders. So people know what the contraindications are like diabetes, or if you have an uncontrolled like heart conditions, circulation conditions, there are many, many doctors that still talk about Raynaud's and that being a challenge in cold. And what we have seen now with thousands of people anecdotally is many people who had Raynaud's of their own volition came to cold. And they've actually mitigated all of their symptoms by being in cold. That's not to say anyone should do something they don't want or their doctor says they shouldn't do. But there's a lot of people that come in the 11th hour with stuff that they're like, I'll try anything at this point. But knowing what your contraindications are, knowing you're in generally good health and then getting in the cold and that there are ways to do that. And it doesn't have to be full immersion right away. It could just be cold water in the face. That's been done for years and years in Asia. That's been done by people to just really like wake them up into the, you know, the morning. And it's a great fun thing to do with kids. If you don't, kids getting in full cold, some parents are nervous about that and all, all the things. So face and hands and palms, cold showers, there's cryotherapy. I, I, I don't, cryotherapy is cool, like literally. And, and <laughs> when I lived in LA is when it was like first popping off and it was like $50 for three minutes in cold steam. And I was like, you know, cold vapor. I was like, ah, it's not worth it to me. I'm going to go throw myself and I'm going to get some 99 cent store ice and have some friends over and do a whole cold thing in the, in the water. So when we look at the research as well, full body cold water immersion up to the neck tends to showcase the most benefits when it comes to longevity. So what are the big benefits of cold that we talk about a lot? People will talk about the creation of brown adipose tissue. So we all, you know, when we talk about fat, many people think about, well, I don't want fat on my body, but brown adipose, brown, a very mitochondrially dense and it is um, super helpful with your metabolism, super helpful with just um, connectivity and communication in a cellular level in the body. And it helps you control your thermogenesis, your temperature regulation. So we want to have brown fat. And we used to think that we stopped making brown fat at 
like in our 20s because we need it as a baby because when you're so tiny, if it's cold or hot, you need to thermoregulate. And then we found out and discovered later that we, by going into extreme temperatures, especially cold, we can make more brown adipose tissue. So that is important. And the other thing is about cold, a lot of times people list this litany of benefits. And what's happening is when you are getting in cold at a certain temperature, you activate these cold shock proteins. The long story oversimplification is the better that they fold, the better your cells can communicate with each other, right? So there's a something to be said, just like red light therapy, where if you heal at the cellular level, you improve your cells, you upregulate your cells' capacity, then a lot of things are going to come into the cascade of positive benefits, right? So people will see reduction in stress and they will see body composition changes. It's important to say over time, you can't get in once and be like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds if you're like in it for the weight loss game. It is a long-term piece. And then the biggest thing I think, like when it comes to cold water immersion, the biggest thing I think that's a benefit is there is a, you know, completely science-based response in the body neurochemically. So we are putting norepinephrine, epinephrine in the body. We're having, if we're doing it with, with other people, especially we have an oxytocin hit. It is really a chemical bliss cascade that can help us shift our state very strongly when we get out of the cold to feel better, to handle and tackle the stressors of the day, to feel energized, and mostly to feel mood boosted or feel joyful. And some of that comes uh, in the beginning of what happens in the tub. And also some of it comes when you get this parasympathetic rebound that is happening as you get out of the, the ice bath. And so there's like, yeah, mood boosting and, you know, recomping the body, feeling energized, boosting your cellular health. Again, long-term protocols can lead to a de-inflammation. So you're lowering the inflammation in the body. You are boosting the immune system again over a protocol that's a frequent type of plunging. And the immune system thing can go awry, right? So this is the other thing that people don't always talk about. The immune system can go awry because let's just say I got into the cold for 20 minutes at four degrees Celsius probably it's not no longer going to be like the, the the titration of the right kind of stress. We want minimum effective dose of stress. So at some point, you're going to be like four minutes, five minutes. Okay. And, and, and you're going to, if you stay in like a crazy person too long for your own body without discernment, it's a, it's point of diminishing returns. And, and Suzanne Soberg would say that there is some evidence as well. She was on um, Andrew Huberman's podcast, our Lord Huberman. Um, she she would say there's some evidence to suggest that it's actually bad for your cellular health if you overdo it. So there's like this thing about what is our stress tolerance? Where do I belong in the cold right now? How many minutes? What temperature? And how do I feel? So that we can navigate what is the right dose of stress so our body adapts and improves as opposed to overdoes it and then declines, right? So like we're navigating that all the time. It's such an important lesson. Like you say, I can see what you say. It's like a, a mirror for life as well in feeling into things. What's right for me? What's right for me today? What's the right dose for me? Does that change in different seasons of life? Does it you know, change one week to the next, one month to the next? And having the, I guess, the trust in ourselves to, it's that fine line we talked about this before we hit record between Ah, is it my mindset going, don't get in there, it's cold, which it will do, right? Or is it your body going like at a at a cellular level, this is not the right thing for me to be doing today? Yeah. And I think there's two important points around this beautiful topic you just brought up, which is like, how do I 
know what is the right time and temperature for me and how do I kind of gut check what I, I want to do or have discernment to know about what kind of cold exposure or ice baths work best for me. And two things are at play that I think are important for your audience and listeners to explore and just be curious about. The first thing that's at play is when scary things show up, like an ice bath, may the anticipation of the ice bath is worse than the ice bath itself. We, our body's trying to save us. And that includes our mindset, our breath, everything that's going on from a physiological level. So we may be like, oh, I just ate a hamburger. I don't need to go in. Or I have women will say sometimes to me, I got my period this morning. It's not a good time for me. And I'm not saying that those things can't be valid, but I'm also saying it's good for us to explore and be curious about if we're making excuses to not try something that feels challenging. And so that's the first thing. I can't decide that for you, right? I, I can only open the door and be able to coach someone. And if someone says that they they have an issue that they can't go in the cold, then I just say, okay, great. Is it medical or let's explore it? Or can we get curious about it and leave it at that? So that's like part one is like figuring out, okay, am I just procrastinating because I'm scared or what's going on here? And that's a, great for self-awareness. And then part two is this thing that I just, I just did a post on this on, on like TikTok or Instagram or something, which is, why does cold feel different every day? People will write me and say, I just did this cold thing, but it felt so different today than it did two days ago. And there's always three things I like to talk about with that. And I think the first thing is female centric. The, the other two are, are just human centric. But the first thing is, if we are in our reproductive years, there is a chance. And my friend Kayla Ostroff, who studies female physiology and talks all about like cycling with our cycle, she'd say we're four different people during the course of the month. I think I'm 28 different people, maybe 30 <laughs> different. So from day to day, our hormones are fluctuating. And there are times that we can see when people are like studying this and looking at this, that women are more sensitive. And I don't mean like, oh, she's so sensitive as a person. I mean that our bodies are getting a little bit less sleep. We're sleeping less well. We're feeling more sensitive. We're feeling more pain intolerant during the lack, the last half of the cycle, the back half or the last week leading up to the period. And I, I always find those days tend to be, for me, for many of my clients, more challenging days to go longer or colder, or that might even be a time to be like, just do a sauna because we could be feeling emotional or PMSC or like whatever's going on. And physiologically, our body is more sensitive and that that is a whole cascade of hormones that deal with like breathing and how we can breathe during that this with different hormones at different levels. So thinking about that, knowing that it's okay, and then for every human being on the planet outside of just female physiology, what's your current stress load? Are you on a vacation in Maui and you're like, yo, I did a six minute ice bath. That was easy. It's beautiful. I'm off work. I have no stress. Or are you in the midst of like, I don't know, relaunching your brand <laughs> and you're like, ah a team, entrepreneurship, all the things and kids crying and work and or you get fired. And like, what's your stress load? If you're allostatic load, which is just a fancy science term for like, what's the total stress of the day is high, would shift my seat and help me clear my head. So like, where is your stress load? And how is that going to correlate to how well the ice is going to do you? And then the last thing is, you know, what is your context? <laughs> what's going on in your life? How well recovered are you? Or are you a training an athlete? Are you trying to like lift a lot of weights and get on a stage and pose, you know, in a weightlifting competition? Like what is your, you know, what is your context? Why are you doing the cold, right? And so just understanding that, what your medical state is, all of those things is like the third piece to the puzzle. So it's like, if you peel away some of those layers and you kind of think about those things or you like journal on them or whatever you do, then you can make the right decisions for yourself when it comes to, to 
how and when you do it. And I think that that's quite often overlooked, especially in the world of 15 second social media clips. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not quite getting the full picture. Yeah. One thing I will say is after doing the ice bath with you the next day, there was the opportunity to do it again. And I wasn't feeling it, but I had been bitten to death by mosquitoes on my face, if you remember. Like, and I had, I it was really inflamed. I had a really bad reaction. If anyone that follows me on Instagram is thinking, I didn't see many pictures of you making up. This is why I was like the elephant man. But I did the face submersion for it and I felt amazing. And that is something that I could see myself doing every morning if I got the right setup here, if I can get that, you know, sorted because ah. it felt so great. And it also really calmed down the inflammation from the bites. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's like some of that is like, it's like why we get up to our neck, why sometimes you'll see people put up to their, like above their lip, they're getting their lower cheeks in. Mm. Ben talks about this research. It's like palms of the hands, soles of the feet, cheeks of the face are our temperature. Or they're, they're where the, the, the cells are that help control and navigate temperature most quickly. And so it's like great to be able to do that. And then also, yeah, like if you're in a cold bath, you're also shunting blood from the core and back again. So you're getting a detox flush. You're putting your face in cold water and you're actually like calming down the the areas of sensitivity where you've been bitten. And it's like quite refreshing. I like the the funny thing is that there was a moment in my life when I was like 11 and I went to a birthday party. And so it's like correlated because I haven't ever talked. I haven't talked a lot about this. And it's something that I never really put two and two together that this is my life's work. And this happened to me, which was I was about 11 years old at my friend Rebecca Basio's birthday party. You know, you remember everybody's first and last name. From of course, grades. that's what you do in school. Yeah. Like a pool and it was very fan. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was talking to her about how I hated to get up in the morning for school. I went to like, yeah, I went to, I just, I love to stay up late. I thought I was a night owl and like whatever the things were. And I just hated getting up for school in the morning. It wasn't that I didn't like school. And she said to me, well, you know, I've been doing this thing like in the morning when I get up where I get up and I like splash a whole bunch of cold water on my face. And it kind of like changes how I feel and it sets me up for like a good day. And like, maybe you could try that. And I went home and for the rest of that school year, I would get up in the morning, go to my blue sink in my upstairs bathroom. And I'd be like, splash a whole bunch of cold water on my face, never asking the question, why is this working? But just curious and how interesting it was that that it totally shifted how I felt in the moment. Even when I was so groggy, I remember being like, okay, I'm just going to get water on my face. And it shifted my whole state. And then I would go off to school for the day. And like that living in my body and remembering that and knowing what I'm doing now is like such a beautiful thing because it looked, took so many years to get curious and understand what I understand at the level that I do now. But that was like, that was like the first moment. If I really look back and think, when did you notice that cold shifted you? Right. I was like 11, which is pretty amazing. And I think this is a great reminder because we have talked a lot and we've gone quite in depth. And for people that are new to this whole biohacking thing, they might be like, oh my God, I've got to buy all this tech and I've got to like get a sauna and do a cold plunge and eat this way and do breath work. But actually, what a great way to round it up that it can be something as accessible and simple a splashing water on your face can completely change your state and how you feel yeah for sure and it's it's that's like this this is a beautiful point this is the one thing i want to stress about the world of biohacking the world of breath work the world of cold exposure it doesn't have to be like that meme we talked about earlier on instagram where you're like i got up in the morning i stood in front of my paddle for an hour i drank six cups of butterfat coffee and i did a 45 minute breathwork journey. I like threw myself in an ice tub. It can be as simple as like getting up, 
taking like three minutes of just easeful breathing, splashing some cold water on your face, making yourself like, I love a decaf, try tea. Like it just, it can be that. And it doesn't need to be more, right? And I, I will say that the one thing that I continue to learn in the van, because there's so many things to do to get the van hunkered down to start driving again, is like the morning time is invaluable. It's really invaluable. The like getting up at the third alarm clock and racing to get to the place and never giving yourself a moment is not the healthy choice, right? And as introverts, perhaps you're better at that than most. And also it doesn't have to be that you decide to have that first half an hour, hour of the morning, whatever you're blessed to give yourself time for. Little like moments, right? The ice on the face takes, you know, whatever it takes, a minute. The breath work takes three minutes and that you can just unwind some of that and get some clarity as you step into your day. And that's biohacking. That's okay. That's that's totally more than acceptable. And that's like part of you honoring your boundaries. Beautiful. Obviously, I'm going to drop all of your links in the show notes. Wow. So yeah. anyone that wants to learn more, because there is so much that you've got that you can share with people, they will be able to find all the different ways to connect with you there, including your amazing podcast, which I love. But before I let you go, obviously, I'm going to ask you, and I'm so curious to see your answer to this question. What is a way that you ensure you own your energy so you can perform at your best? What is a way that I'm sure that I own my energy so I can perform at my best? I think that there's a part of Kristen that says like, there's so much I'm doing. Is that? I think the answer is twofold. And and I'm going to talk about the season that I'm in right now. The season that I'm in right now is really making sure that I'm getting deep rest. And that's really interesting especially coming from a place of how fast and furious and excited I go, that pace with which I live life. So I'm very much so like pulling over and making sure I'm putting myself to bed on time. I'm not drinking right now. I just, I took alcohol out completely because it's a nightmare of sleep. I don't, I don't drink a lot in general, but just, I made sure that's out. I'm practicing a lot of meditation and breath work and NSDR, non-sleep deep rest, which is like, I want to call it like lazy man's unwind, lazy unwind, which is just, I have two or three things that I listen to that I love that are like non-sleep, deep rest tracks, yoga nidra, things like that, that just help me really unwind. I use my brain tap. I have tracks on brain tap. I don't listen to myself. And so using some of this and getting deep rest really is really super helpful. And then the other thing is more than ever before in my life, am I like continually working on sharing my voice vulnerably and um, asking people to accept my boundaries or who I am instead of doing the thing where I think about it in the shower for 20 minutes and ruminate on it later. I'm just saying where I'm at. And I'm also like in in turn with that, I am having, I'm asking probing questions to close friends and people in my life that support me to make sure that they are being whole with themselves to me. And there have been definite like beautifully opening conversations and that are also difficult sometimes to listen and, and into, to feel into. If someone's like, hey, I love this part of you, but this thing in our relationship isn't quite working. And really just trying to take it at face value, not personally, but like, how can I serve this person? So it's sort of the navigating between getting more deep rest and being open to receive and give as vulnerably as possible so that I feel like I'm not stuck in a rumination pattern, which to me is where I burn all like not all, but much of my energy. Well, thank you for sharing so vulnerably here today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. I 
know that people are going to take so much from this. So thank you once again and enjoy your holiday season in the van. I will, I will. You do the same and um, I'm sure we'll be in touch and I'm sending you all my love. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that you're feeling expanded to what's possible for you, motivated to take action and inspired about how you can start to own your energy. I share even more tools and resources on my introverts only email newsletter. By signing up, you not only get early access to the ambitious introvert products and services, but you also get brand new podcast episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Monday, meaning you'll never miss your weekly dose of introvert-friendly inspiration. Sign up now at theambitiousintrovert.com newsletter or click the link in the show notes. See you next week.